From the Thinking Out Loud studios, it's the Thinking Out Loud podcast with Kevin and Kyle, the podcast that exists to help you navigate the culture of today from a biblical perspective and to help you grow in your relationship with God. God has commissioned and called you to be a light in this culture. The only way you can do that is to know the truth. No matter what circumstance you're facing, no matter what season of life that you're in, if you truly want to find success in that season, you are going to have to go back to the simple question of what does God say about me in this moment? There's no shortage of information in this culture, but there is a shortage of truth. Welcome back to the Think It Out Loud podcast. My name is Kevin Wilson. I've got Kyle Wenzel here in the Thinking Out Loud studios, and we are extremely excited to be back with you for another week of the show. And we're excited to have a special guest, and Kyle's going to tell us a little bit about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, with the with the start of school, obviously one of the the big topics that I know most professional places are talking about, workplaces, marketplaces, talking about COVID nineteen in school. How are schools transitioning? What are some different things they're doing? How are the students doing? How are the teachers doing? What kind of effects has it taken on the students, the teachers, all that? There's, there's tons of questions. And so we thought it'd be a great idea to get a teacher on. Um, now, as you can assume, it's not easy to get a, a teacher on because we have to be mindful and respectful of school districts, of their profession, understanding that There's a lot of scrutiny put on the educational system. And so we want to make sure we do our best to respect the teacher, respect the school district, respect the decisions that they're making, because in the end, they're trying to educate our children. And so for that sake, we are going to keep the teacher's identity a secret. We're not going to give you much information on that. Just know that uh, it is truly a teacher. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, flush this topic out. With that being said, every school district has a different approach. Every school district has a different way that they are doing this. And so you are going to hear the perspective of one school district, but that certainly doesn't speak for every school district. And so welcome to the show. We're excited to have you on. We're excited to get into this topic about COVID-19. We're excited to learn about your profession and get a perspective from the teacher's side of view. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Kevin and Kyle, for having me. I'm excited to be on your show. So I just, I come with my own personal experience of all the changes in education due to COVID, and I hope I can shed shed some light on what's happening in the classroom, real time, real time status. (laughs) So let's let's be real clear here. Uh, There's a lot of changes (laughs) that have happened this year. But the one thing that doesn't change is that we are teaching humans and humans have some pretty crazy moments in their life. And so tell us just real quick before we get into the heat of COVID-19, what is so far in your career, what has been the craziest moment that you've experienced with a student while teaching? Well, craziest. There's so many to choose from because hello, children. You know, you don't, you can't control what's going to come out of their mouth. They have no filter and which can be a great quality because you get their honest opinions, honest answers, their raw selves. But I would say in those moments where, so I was 
actually subbing. It was before I got my first teaching job and I was like, yes, this is awesome. This is what I want to do the rest of my life. And I, I showed up at a school at the beginning and I got there and I'm settling in. And when, within the first hour, I had this cute little first grader come up to me, look at me with his you know, big eyes and say, um, I poop. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> okay. So, well, go flush. And no, it's in my pants and I can't walk. And I was like, oh, okay. Can you carry me to the office, please? Because I need to go and tell my mom. And I was like, hmm, well, I can't, I can't leave all your friends here by themselves. So we'll figure it out. Don't move. Just, just don't move, okay? <laughs> and then so someone from the office had to come. Literally, I, I, it's all kind of a blur. I'm pretty sure I was pregnant with our first child at that time. So everything was a blur anyway. But I, you know, he safely was escorted. I'm not sure if he was carted, carried, <laughs> who knows. But he got to the office with little mess so that was good but I was just like hmm so I want to do this for the rest of my life <laughs> maybe I'll go for <laughs> upper elementary and it'll be a little safer there but uh so far that's the only poop story I have so that's good because I do have a lot of colleagues that have some even in the upper elementary so Ugh. yeah that is I mean you know there are crazier I just chose that route and uh but any anytime you talk <laughs> talk about talk about poop it's it's funny so figured to start with <laughs> well, that one <laughs> from, from one poopy situation to the next talk to us a little bit about you know march eh, around march 9th hit and schools it became pretty evident that schools were going to have to do something about this covid-19 outbreak so can you walk us through the moment you guys found out that this was going to affect education and walk us through that from March, throughout the summer, through the planning for the fall. Just what kind of experiences did you face? What kind of emotions? What were some of the feedback you were getting from other teachers? What were some of the feedback you were getting from the district? Can you just kind of let us in on the sudden change in March all the way to the planning of fall? Well, that is going to be packed with a lot, and I will try to shorten it best I can. Basically, just like every profession, when we were all sitting in our homes, I believe it was a Thursday night and we were watching the news and heard of the shutdown for schools that would start the following Monday. We were all just like, whoa. And at that time, we thought it was going to be short term, like a three week shutdown. So we go into work the next day, all of us, you know, it's a buzz. Everyone's talking about it. And it's a huge deal. And my school actually had like an event that day. So I still business as usual. And the kids are all freaking out. And you give them the speech. You're fine. Wash your hands. Everything's going to be fine. And your whole world's flipped upside down when you realize when they left. And at that point, you're, you're being told at, you know, an hour before they leave that you need to come up with something for them to do for about the next three weeks to keep them on track so they don't, you know, fall off the bandwagon and get too behind. And so you're like, okay, all right, uh, packets. We'll do packets because we were not one-to-one -one at that time and not everyone had technology in their home, much less Wi-Fi. Um, so we're cramming. And then while we're getting ready for all that, we're not spending time with our kids. Little did we know we wouldn't see them again the rest of the school year. So then, you know, that's frantic and crazy and we're doing the best we can because that's what we as educators do. We figure it out. We make it work. We're not always handed the best 
cards, but we figure it out. We make it work. That's, I mean, you know, that's, that's what we do. And so it was just a crazy turn of events come to find out, oh, well, we're not going back. And so it took about a month for our district. It kind of was like a really long spring break for the kids. So I'm sure they weren't complaining too much. A lot hmm. of them were just thinking of it as like another vacation. Uh, in this way, you can't really play with your friends or leave your house. And a lot of them would be like emailing me or messaging me and saying, you know, I'm, I'm bored. I miss you. And you, you just, there was just a lot of isolation that was going on in the homes across the board. I mean, in, in my own home, it was tough. You know, we had grandparents coming to our front door, leaving the glass in between us and them. And they weren't able to touch myself, my children, my husband, and you know, that's tough. And so at school is where these kids, you know, they socialize and they are able to feel included and have things that they maybe don't have in their home and they feel loved and safe and secure. And they didn't have that for months. And so we had to keep in mind, yeah, academics are important. We need to make sure that they stay on track for our plan for the rest of the school year. But also, how are these kids? Like, we need to make sure their social emotional well-being is taken care of as well. So a lot went into play. About a month later, we came up with a plan. And it was basically like, you know, you create the lessons, work as a team. You don't have to meet with them on like Zoom or Google. Like you're not required, but it was encouraged. And we would just monitor Google Classroom best we could throughout the week. And I had about 10 children not even log on once to do anything because everyone was just trying to survive. And I know the parents were stressed out because parents were working from home, having to homeschool three children, essentially. And it was tough. I literally had, I have younger children and I had one time I was in a Google meet with my class and I had my two kids outside my door, you know, pounding on the door, mama, mama, mama. And I was, <laughs> and then I'm just like, Oh, sorry guys. Like, Everyone was just in survival mode, doing the best we could for what was going on. And so there wasn't a lot of plan as far as well thought out protocol, procedure, and like a lot of unison. It was kind of like each team was kind of left to sink or swim, figure it out, and then right. the district supports you when they can. Now come the fall, over the summer for my district, and I know a lot of districts, they had task force that were made up of community members, parents of students in the district, teachers, and the like. And they all came together and came up with a plan that would meet all the needs of everyone that was able to have procedures for everything and ideas for curriculum and how to implement everything with all the new restrictions and so on and so forth. Uh, what would look best if we did 50-50, if we did all virtual, or if you know, and so they sent a lot of surveys out to community, ask them what they would prefer. So they, they really tried to accommodate everyone in their learning. And then we came up with the plan that we have now in my district, which is explained in like a really long 40 page learn plan. So they've truly thought, or at least, you know, tried to anticipate everything that needs to be thought of for going back to school in person and virtual. So it was just a lot of planning as far as the district goes that they deserve credit in that way. And a lot of districts have, you know, spent a lot of time 
meeting with the community members and teachers and, you know, faculty and really trying to come up with the best plan for these children so that it's not just like the spring where it's just like, you know, everyone's just trying to survive, throwing things out so that we have a fluid plan to go- going forward so that we can be, you know, we can come out of this. So. so, so let me ask you this. What is the plan for your district? So how are you guys teaching all the kids? Well, we... In, in short, I know that it's a 40-page, but in short, is. like, well, are your students in class? Are they virtual? Are they 50-50? Is it, is it like a mixture of both? I'm sorry, that was a broad question. So more specifically, like, what, more specifically, what are the options for your students? What, what options are you guys offering? So each semester, they get to choose if they want to be fully virtual or fully in person. Okay. So that's what my district went with. Now, come January, they can reevaluate and say, mm, I want to go virtual 100% or oh, I would like to actually be in the classroom. So I don't even, I'm not, that's one thing I am concerned about. That's going to be very challenging for in-person teachers to get an influx of children um, that they, you know, don't know. But like I said, we'll make it happen. So yeah, but our plan as of now is we really have been, these first couple of weeks, we have not had to start curriculum just yet because we have been focusing on all implementing all the extra procedures and routines that we have to implement and have the kids practice with all of the social distancing and hand washing and, you know, six feet apart, which truly, at least in pretty much every district I've been in throughout my career the classrooms are not big enough to have these children six feet apart unless you have a classroom of 10. Mm-hmm. And so they do the best they, they can with three feet apart. And the rule is if they're by someone for more than 15 minutes or they can't be in a group for more than 15 minutes, but they can be in a group for 15 minutes or less, if that makes any sense. So there's a lot of uh, different things, social distancing, walking in the hallway, you can't share supplies. Everything has to be individually bagged as far as like manipulatives. We can't really have any classroom jobs, no indoor assemblies. A lot has definitely changed, but districts are just doing the best they can. And they've tried to think out every scenario and put a plan in place for it so that it's kind of, you know, just more fluid and it's better to have a plan. So, so Yeah. So, so obviously the, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Obviously the plan was hopefully to go full hundred percent back into school. Right. Um, We're seeing now Europe is pretty much back into a full pandemic. They are, they have an explosion of the second wave. Uh, Nationally here, we have 22 states that have seen outbreaks, seen a surge in outbreaks since school has started. So it seems just off the data, it seems inevitable that there's going to be another wave. However, I'm not so certain, I don't think that anybody's certain the economy can really withstand another shutdown the way that we've seen it in March. So what has your district talked at all about there being a plan if there does happen to be an outbreak in the fall in this state? No. A lot of us assume because of things that are in place, like, for example, I forgot to mention one day out of the week, the same day through the week, every week, we have a virtual day. 
where the students are working from home and we meet with them in person and they, they go and do work on Google Classroom. And so I feel like that day is not only for them to deep clean the school, but it's also so that we're normalizing, you know, working from home you know, working through those procedures and making sure they all know how to get on Google Meet and turn in assignments. So I feel like they're utilizing that day to deep clean the school, sure, but they're also utilizing that day to help the kids get comfortable with, you know, learning virtually in case something happens. Now, that's not been said explicitly. That's just me inferring, but that would be one thing. They're really hoping that we can eventually go to phase five and things be more back to normal, but we will stay in person until the phases of our state change. So that's the plan. So I have a question and I guess for me, I just kind of look at it because I have a 12 year old daughter and right now she, the district that she's in, it, they're kind of, they're basically saying everyone is going to start at home which she's already started, of course. And you know, they're going to you know pay attention to how things go. If things start going better, then they will start slowly phasing in students. But here, I guess here's my thing, because I, you know, I have the same thing as far as my job is concerned, because we're, we're all in an office. Well, it's, you know, we're going into flu season. As soon as one person, one kid, one teacher, you know, is coughing or sneezing or anything you know, because COVID mimics a lot of what a common cold would be or the flu. Right. Um, as soon as that happens, it's like all of a sudden, like we've got to, you know, quarantine or we maybe shouldn't come back to school or we don't know if they have COVID or not. I mean, there just seems to be a lot of confusion there. So from a teacher standpoint, and I guess for the health of our kids, I mean, these are our babies and we want to make sure that we're doing everything we can. But from a teacher standpoint, is it? I mean, is it better, you know, to, to just say, hey, let's just for this school year, everyone be at home. Is it more detrimental to the students learning for them to be at home or is it more detrimental for them to be in the classroom because of the, the physical aspect of maybe getting sick? Hmm. I can definitely see what you're saying. Um, so we have an online teacher for every grade. And in speaking with her, and she just said, you know, from a virtual perspective, it's heartbreaking to see how much the kids miss each other. They mm -hmm. want to be at school, and they voice that to her. They voice it to their peers. And, you know, everyone's carrying a lot of extra mental weight because of all this, and we're trying to do our best. But I think as far as school goes, if students do have symptoms of any sort, we have lists. There's like listed symptoms that you're right, do mimic the cold. It's hard. Even if it is a cold, we have to send them to the quarantine room and their parents immediately have to come pick them up. Mm. So um, there are protocols in place for that. But like you said, they are our babies. I think mm. that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, the social emotional health of these kids is greatly affected when they're at home and not at school with others. And I think the, you know, there are very successful homeschoolers and um, my children are being homeschooled right now um, by a family member that wasn't teaching for many, many, many years. And so not to say that there's not successful homeschoolers out there, but it's different. It's just, it's 
just different when it's a virtual teacher and they're not there with them. I myself am a visual learner. I need to feel it. I need to see it. So I'm really good with manipulatives when it comes to math and that sort of thing. I think that these kids do learn best in person. Mm -hmm. It's just different. I'm in front of them. And also as in this, just teaching in this day and age, pre-pandemic, we're competing with all of these social media. Their minds are constantly stimulated. They're used to that. And so you have to be literally a like circus up there to keep their intention. <laughs> it's hard for them to stare at a screen all day and actually retain what they're doing. So you know, they're you're talking on a screen for a while and you're pulling out your bags of tricks and trying to do things and assigning them lessons on whatever platform you use versus in a classroom, you might do introduce something then they break out into groups and work together and then you bring them back together and you do some sort of activity where they get to go around the room and it's a scavenger hunt for the common nouns and the proper nouns and they have to sort them out and so it's just a hundred percent different not to say you know virtual learning cannot be successful I think that there are students that do great with virtual learning but I don't think it's for everyone and I don't think that it should be the only platform for those students that truly need to be in person especially those that are in the 25th percentile and lower. Now bringing in the health concerns going forward, I'm not sure what's going to change unless there's a vaccine or something of that sort, unless, you know, those that have been affected build up the antibodies or so on and so forth. Otherwise, we'll just be virtual learning, you know, for the unforeseeable future. And that's, I don't know if that's best for education and it's kind of scary to think like it might even go towards, I, I hate to say it, but like, you know, private education and a lot of people can't afford that. Yeah. You, you talked about the creativeness that a teacher uses, which has to be part of the passion of the job is learning your students, learning how to communicate that to them, building that relationship because you're validating their style of of learning and you're utilizing that style in the way that you teach. So can you elaborate on now that we know, cause you've had to scale back, I'm sure in your classroom, the way you do things, tools that you've used in the past that you're not using now. Can you give us an imagery of the before and after? And can you, can you talk to us about how does it affect you as a teacher and how is it affecting? Have you noticed the effects of the students that are in class that, may have been used to the circus that are no longer seeing the circus. <laughs> yeah, every school is definitely a circus. I'm really happy I use that as, an, as a comparison. <laughs> um, so first of all, I do want to point out, I'm glad you, you said something on that. Students learn best when they know that they're, they're important, they matter, that they're loved by their teacher and that they matter to their teacher. Those relationships are key to a successful school year. And I was so thankful. We talked about it as teachers in the spring that we already had those relationships. We knew tendencies. We knew their strengths, their weaknesses, what they needed help on, their capabilities. We knew if they were slacking or if that really was how their 100% best effort. Um, Because we built those up in person. And I found that in the spring, in this fall, a lot of the virtual teachers are having a hard time, not only because of their class sizes, their class sizes are very high in some districts uh, um, if they're virtual. They're having trouble building those relationships. And so if a student doesn't trust you, they won't learn from you the, in the highest capacity that they can. And so 
in the beginning, we do a lot of team building activities, a lot of STEM activities where they're working together to engineer and build and solve problems, which involves things that they have to touch. But I can't have them all touch the same things anymore. So, okay, take Mm. that out of the equation. When pre-pandemic, we would be reviewing something. So I use my school's curriculum. I'm compliant, no worries. But I always try to add in a twist to engage the students because engaged students are learning students. And they, I would have some sort of interactive game and it would, it would, you know, go anywhere from Jeopardy, which I could still do, still divide them in teams and make a review game, a review Jeopardy game to Hungry Hippos where they're rolling out on a scooter and bring brought back by a, a rope, pulling back certain balls that are worth a certain amount of mon- or points. And then as they bring them back, they have to answer another math problem and they're working in groups, but that involves touching. So that is no longer an option. There's just a lot that's just been stripped away from these kids. All the basically all the tricks that us teachers would use to keep these kids engaged. They have now, um, there's an amazing site called Teachers Pay Teachers. God bless that site. And you can pay for lessons. And there's a lot of like escape rooms, like you go to an escape room for fun. No, these are learning escape rooms. How cool is that? And they work in teams and they have to touch the envelopes. Okay, take that out of the equation. It's just a lot. It's kind of just stripped it to the bare bone and took the engagement out of it. Now, like I said before, educators, we do what we got to do. We figure it out. We find another way and we're finding other ways, but we've literally had to rewrite everything, rewrite the script. And, um, it's very taxing on our time. It takes away from our family time. We're more stressed coming home and I'm hoping it'll get better. We're trying to stay positive and, you know, uplifting, encouraging when we're drowning, truly. I have a lot of peers that, colleagues that would agree. So it's, it's really tough. It's really straining, but we're doing the best we can. It's very different, but every profession is experiencing the quick, you know, crazy changes that COVID has brought. But education, you know, you have a lot of children with, you know, just germs. (laughs) They try. (laughs) I will say, I will give shout out to the kids so far, the kids in my school, they're doing an amazing job keeping their masks on. And that is so surprising to me because have you, have you guys seen like those like videos of, you know, kids and or you in a mask and you're just like sitting there and it's like kids in a mask and they're like flinging it across the room and playing <laughs> with it and using it as like a, you know, um, a launcher, a balloon launcher, like crazy mm-hmm. stuff. They're actually doing really good in keeping that on. They're trying their best to social distance. So shout out to the parents. They've prepared them for this well and they're being so good about it so the kids are doing the best they can and we're doing the best we can and that's all we can ask and uh, hope that this ends soon <laughs> yeah i know it's early in the school year and and i'm sorry that it's hard on the teachers we you know teaching wasn't easy before covid to find a balance between home life career but how have you seen the effects of the students at all yet or do you think it's just a little too early to even gauge that just yet effects of like so being being stripped of what they are normally used to having perhaps maybe not having as much social capability inside the classroom from teacher to student or student to student 
Have you noticed any kind of changes there? Well, a lot of schools are doing what's called, let me see if I can get the correct term for it. It's basically like where they keep the same group of kids together the entire day so that if one is infected, you know, it's just going to stay in that group. Co- cohorting, cohorting, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, So they are not able, when we go to recess and there's two other classes out there, they have to stay in their zone. And it literally looks like this is the best way I have to describe it. You know, have you ever seen a dog that knows there's an invisible fence there that's going to shock them Mm -hmm. if they go towards it, but you can't see the fence? These kids are going up to this end of the zone where the two ends of the zone meet and they're waving at their friends and talking to their friends from the other side. And it is literally heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids are in their desks, um, sitting seated at their desks most of the day because there's not much room to go anywhere else and stay social distance. We try to give mask breaks when they take, you know, they take their mask off to eat snacks, staying, you know, their distance at their desk and uh, so on and so forth. But they're just, it's just, just more isolated. And they, they say that, like, I really wish I could play with so-and-so and miss so-and-so's class. And, you know, they say things of that sort. Um, and they do, I have a great group this year and they don't do a lot of complaining, but you can see just the, you know, we do brain breaks, but just the strain on their face. Like, so I'm an adult and I don't like sitting in a chair all day. Mm-hmm. So I try to be cautious of that and give them as many breaks as they can. But before I would let them come to the carpet and then we would transition and let them go back to their seats. So at least there's that little bit of movement back and forth, but they just have to stay in their seats all day. And that is taxing on a five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 year old. That's, it's too much. They need to be moving. In fact, most, most successful countries, it's another story from their time, but for every 45 minutes of instruction, they're supposed to have 15 minutes of free time, mm. free time, not just no classwork, like free time time and so they're not only not getting that but even worse they're not allowed to you know do much other than sit at their desk with a couple of brain breaks sprinkled in throughout there and a lunch that's hard Mm. and so back to what kevin you were saying what's best for the child i don't know but i do know it's it's a catch-22 both ways you know it's like you risk one thing for the other their social emotional for their actual physical health it's just like you know and the chances they're actually going to get sick i don't know but will they infect grandma at home probably so it's just it's tough and i you couldn't pay me a million well maybe you could pay me a million dollars but superintendents <laughs> everyone that's making these big decisions like utmost respect and you know props because these are tough decisions that need to be made yeah, and I think I think it's good that you say that. I think it's good because just from conversations I've had, and I know I've even probably made some selfish statements just because there's a lot of frustration floating around this whole COVID thing. I mean, it's affecting everything, and it's the trade-off. And I think it was important that you said that. The trade-off is, well, can we really deem one more important than the other, their physical health or their social-emotional health? I mean, both are vital to life. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, education, the whole education system is just in a catch 22. And I think it's, yeah, like you said, it's kudos to those that are trying. They're trying to make it work because they care about this generation of students. Yeah. And I think too, I think this is a time for us to just pause and, you know, really thank our teachers because I already believe that that's a profession that is way undervalued. 
Like, yeah. I mean, the, the teachers don't even come close to getting the recognition that they need. Just the hours that they put in, um, you know, not just during the school day, but coming home and having to grade in all the papers and having to set up, you know, for the next day and, you know, doing prep for that week and, you know, the curriculum changes and the, uh, just all the things and, and also dealing with, you know, 25 different personalities, you know, and all of the other things that kids are just going through right now. I mean, and, you know, I can only imagine being a teacher of students that already before the pandemic, they, you know, some of them come from stressful homes, stressful lives, all kinds of things are going on. And now, you know, with the pandemic on top of it, I mean, again, these are our babies. They don't always know how to, how to articulate what they're feeling. Like they, they don't always know, you know, so to tell them, Hey, you can't play with Susie, but you can, you know, you sit in your seat with a mask. I mean, to have somebody that is in charge of that and somebody that's trying to, to foster that and make it a good place for our kids to be Mm -hmm. is just an amazing job. And it is, and it's a very stressful job. And I, you know, I think when you see a teacher, if you know a teacher, you know what? Send her, send him or her, you know, a gift card, Venmo them some money, do something to just brighten their day because it is, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And they're undervalued and a lot of times underpaid, you know, and we we don't even have to get it. We don't even go there, but you know, a lot of times you're underpaid for what they do. And if it wasn't, (laughs) and if it wasn't for your child's teacher, yeah, your your child would not make it in the real world. I mean, they it just wouldn't. And so they're learning some valuable things. And uh, so all the teachers out there, thank you, thank you, thank you a million times for everything that you do. Yeah, absolutely. With that being said, I think it's important to ask this. Homes and jobs alike, they're all going through a season they've never gone through before. And so my question to you would be, how can... How can parents be a help for teachers and for faculty in the educational system? Are there ways that you've noticed that parents have made your job easier, made your day a little more brighter? Are there certain things that can be done communication-wise with the parents? What are, what are some ways that we can help without, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that, like, if I picture oh, the perfect parent, It's one that is supportive to me as a teacher. So doesn't just always assume, well, okay, well, you know, Johnny, Johnny couldn't have done that. Like putting the trust in the teacher is number one. I am an educator. I care for these kids. I have your child's best interest in mind. Like every parent needs to realize that about their child's teacher and be on the same team and have that team mentality. And when that bridge is created and you're talking, you're able to communicate with the parent. I, I can tell you so many times of students where I would just call their parents and emails sent out and not a word from the parent no communication back. Communication is huge. 
I will say um, what's specific to this year is just to give your teacher, your child's teacher, some grace and know that they are doing their best. And I think that's just the best thing. Supportive parents are the best parents. Supportive parents are the best parents. One more time, people in the back. Supportive parents are the best parents. And (laughs) if you're communicating with your child's teacher in a respectful manner, you have that communication going back and forth, that is going to lead to your child's success. And when the child knows that you as a parent are communicating with their teacher, they'll kind of step up to the game as well, knowing there's an accountability at school and home. So you communicating and being on your teacher's, your child's teacher team is actually going to, you know, help your child out. And so I think that if they would just support, communicate and give grace to their child's teacher, that would really make our job a lot easier. And yes, just giving grace to everyone in the educational system and their support during this time would be a great help. So um, having a positive outlook and a positive attitude and finding the good instead of just magnifying what you don't agree with. Because unfortunately, no matter what decision is made, whether it be in your district for education or state or what have you, there are going to be people that don't agree and it upsets and people that do agree. That's with everything. And so you just have to keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think reinforcing, you know, a lot of what the teachers are teaching, I think, you know, and this happens in other areas, too, where I feel like, you know, a lot of our our listeners are Christian. You know, we say this a lot about church and youth groups. We always say, like, if you send your kid to youth group and to church and think that that's like they're the pastor and the youth pastor, like, is going to have everything they need, like, that's impossible. Like you, you have to do your part at home as well. And so I think it's super important as parents that we do our part, reinforce the things that our educators are trying to get our students to learn that we, you know, the areas that they're trying to get them to grow in. I think it's super important that we do that, you know, whether it's reading, whatever the case may be. I mean, I know it's very funny, but so like, I know for my daughter, my youngest daughter, she, you know, we obviously want all of our kids to be good readers. And, but my daughter loves graphic novels. And we keep telling her that graphic novels are not real books. I mean, they're, you know, they're, 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 you know, they're nice. They're cool. They're awesome. Ah, they're, not, you know, they were like, we need you to get into chapter books. Right. We, we need you to get into things where, you know, just so that she could get her grade, you know, her grades up. But I think there's a lot of parents that would just be like, you know what? You know, she doesn't want to read cha- chapter books. She doesn't have to read chapter books. But if the teacher is saying, hey, this is what your child needs to get to that next reading level. I think it's super important that you reinforce that, because if your kid is at home doing something totally different and then when they get to school, the teacher's trying to get them to that next reading level. I'm just using that for an example then, I mean, they may never get there or suffer in their grades because we're not supporting the teacher. And so I just think it's just, it's crazy important to do that. So. Yeah, no, I agree. I'd love to have you as a parent of a child in my class. So yeah, that's a great mentality to have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, with that being said, we know that there are struggles on both sides, and so we know that it's it's probably going to get harder before it gets easier just because we have to go through one of the sickest seasons naturally when we talk about fall and winter. So 
We'll definitely be praying for you as well as all the teachers, all the parents, all the students. Children are important. Children are important in the Word of God. Children are important. All of us are parents. I mean, they're important to us. Their education's important to us, but beyond the education, their uh, social maturity, their emotional maturity, uh, the way that they can communicate beyond numbers, I mean, that's all important to us. And so our prayer and our hope is that we can get as close to normal as we possibly can, or not just find a new way, find a better way Mm -hmm. to, to make sure that our kids are taken care of, to make sure the teachers are taken care of, and to make sure the parents can get on board with all of that. So kudos to you. Thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you for not taking the flight route and staying and fighting mm-hmm. uh, because I'm sure it was easy to say you're just done, you know, but thank you for sticking it out and being committed. Yeah, I I figured, I mean, if I was a teacher, that pro- I probably would, uh, yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't, I don't think I'd do it. So what I'm trying to say is, 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 is you're built different. And I appreciate the fact that you are, and I appreciate that there's a world of you out there that are built different because we need it. And hopefully one day we can truly show that appreciation to you. I think teachers were asked uh, of a lot before COVID. I mean, they, I feel like they were just asked to do so much. And now it's like 10 times more that they're, they're asked to do. And so, yeah, thank you so much for for what you're doing out there, what teachers are doing across the country and just trying to keep our babies safe. And, uh, we appreciate all you guys for sure. So, so yeah, so, uh, there you have it. Um, we, you know, we always say we are going to bring you the facts. We try to bring the experts on and we know a lot of you out there have children and you guys are trying to navigate this whole COVID and classroom situation. And just and we're hoping that the teacher that we had on today is a help to you so that you can understand kind of what the teachers are going through. You know how to pray for them and you know how to support them during this time and all the incredible work that they're doing. And so thanks so much uh, for listening again. Go to Facebook, like our page. It's a thinking out loud podcast. You know, we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on everywhere. Everywhere you consume social media, we are there. We're also actually on Pinterest now. Um, so we, uh, we're we on Pinterest. We just got the page up. So there's not a ton on there, but I'm learning about Pinterest a little bit more. So our board will be filled one of these days soon. And uh, you guys follow us there too. So we love you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.